Oh man, what a good day. Hey, I don't, I don't see any brand spanking new faces in here. Uh, we welcome you. We sure do. We're glad to see everybody here. First time online, if you, if, uh, if those people, if it's the first time you're watching, we welcome you too. Beecher Island, I gotta say it, because Corey Clark says it every Sunday. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving church. I got it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and it is so right. Uh, that's what I love that about Beecher Island. We get all the Word, all of our teaching comes straight out of the Word, nothing else. It's written by man. It's all from God. And we have an awesome bunch of elders uh, that get to make sure that, that uh, the Word that gets brought is correct. And I suppose it's, it's more than just the Board of Elders. It's everyone in this building. If it's not correct, we can sure call Corey out on that. Just Corey, though. <laughs> Give me off the hook. No, but uh, it's awesome. It's great. Um, Corey, uh, the, our pastor with our preacher with pastoral duties, is absent this morning. He will be for the next three. Um, so uh, next week we have Chuck Anderson, and then we have Levi Moody after that. And then I think I get to bring it one more time after that. And then you can go, we're done with that, and, and Corey will be back. So he's off. Uh, and we rejoice with him in this. I know he was excited. He's doing the dad thing. He's going off and hanging out. Uh, um, his middle daughter Alyssa is rodeoing, and she loves that. And, he, and he's just doing the dad thing, being a dad, being a husband, um, going off. And he's getting fed this week and next week and the week after that and the week after that. Uh, and he does. He, he works his tail off to prepare and come here every Sunday to bring us word. And we we're happy about that. We, we rejoice with the fact that he can go and do things that God has called him to do otherwise. So, um, anyway, so you get me. So, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you flip them things open, we're going to start in Thessalonians this morning. As you're flipping to 1 Thessalonians, uh, let's go to Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this day. And God, we thank You for, for the ability to, to understand You more and to understand what you would have us do, God. And as we go forward this morning with this service, Lord, I just I just pray that the word gets spoken, that our hearts are open to what you would have us hear. And God, that we can we can uh, we can take what we learned this morning and and put it put it in our lives each and every day. God, we just thank you for how great you are, how mighty you are. God, that you sent your son to die for us and uh, God, as we just learned about you this morning, let us let's just put our minds on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we're we're in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to sneak over to chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to tell you this. You've probably heard maybe a thousand sermons on what I'm going to what I'm going to talk about this morning, what my message is going to be on this morning, the thing that God laid on my heart. But it has been laid on my heart um, since I don't know. Like I was. 10 years old probably, became a, became a Christian when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, asked Him to come into my heart, and I was saved at that point, and, uh, and so there's been seasons in my life that, that I've wondered about this one thing, and the thing that I'm talking about is God's will, and all of you are like, yeah, we've probably heard, we've probably heard some sermons on God's will and what that means, but I'm going to bring it to you this morning from this little cowboy pea brain of mine. And I'm going to bring it to you from a cowboy's perspective of what God's will is. It's something that I have been diving into. I've been curious about. I've been questioning about. And, uh, and I wanted to go into Scripture to figure out exactly what that is. 
And all of us are in different stages in our life right now. And at some point in your Christian walk, I'm guessing that you've always wondered what it is that God wants us to do as, in our flesh as humans down here on this earth and, and what that might look like. And so, so we're going to dive into it this morning. And, and because it's complicated and it's deep, I'm probably just going to barely hit the, the surface, the, the tip of the iceberg of what God's will is. But we're going to dive into it. We're going to start... And so we're going to start in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. We're going to sneak over to verse 16, so follow along if you'd like to. Uh, verse 16 is a cool one. It has three words. It says, be joyful always. Man, can we do that? Can we do that? Uh, Ray was kind of talking about joy and happiness a little bit this morning. Not that those are the same thing, but be joyful always. And we hear that we're supposed to find our joy in the Lord and that kind of thing. So be joyful always is verse 16. Verse 17 says, pray continually. I'm not good at that. I don't pray continually. I need to be better at it. Uh, here about three or four weeks ago, um, Shelby Clark, well, she had taken a picture of our family together praying. And so I used that picture and put it as my, as my screensaver thing or my background on my phone, and I put the word pray up there. Because I'm, I'm looking at my phone all the time, answering phone calls, texts, whatever, looking at Facebook, looking at weather, Internet. But when I open that, it says pray, so it reminds me to pray. And so that's something that I've been working on. So if there's something like that in your life, I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Uh, so, so verse 17 says, pray continually. And then it goes on to verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. I struggle with that too. I struggle with that too. Sometimes I don't, there's circumstances I'm not very thankful about. And I need to be better at that. And it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says right there, God's will. Isn't that awesome? Or we're talking about God's will this morning. So it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You guys have a good week. <laughs> That's good. Keeping it simple. Oh man. <laughs> Wish it was that simple sometimes, don't we? Don't we think about that? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shotgun some verses at you right quick. So if you're if you're wanting to write notes, if you want to, if you have a pen and a piece of paper, I'm just gonna shotgun some verses at you. These are verses that I've looked up in the Bible that have to do with God's will. So if you want to write them down, you can. If you just want to listen to them, you can too. Just write the verse, and, and I'm going to read it. But, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in, Je in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Hebrews 2.4. Hebrews 2.4 says, God also testifies to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. James 4, 14 and 15. James 4, 14 and 15. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. And last but not least, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because He who has suffered in His body is done with sin, 
As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. I'm going to throw one more in there too. Romans 2.12, we're going to touch on this just a little bit later. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's all kinds of verses. There's all kinds of things, all kinds of places in Scripture that we can go, and there's this thing about God's will, and it, and it makes you wonder. This week, uh, we're kind of getting up onto some farming. It's kind of getting to be farming season, and, and this snowstorm is coming, and we had some corn ground that we needed to get prepared down at Jakeway. Had 160 acres, not a lot, but we needed to get that thing strip-tilled. We needed to, to do this thing. And it is no secret, I'm guessing, in this building, if you know me at all, that out of the top three things that I enjoy doing, farming ain't one of them. That's right. Kai knows that. That's why I hired Kai to do a farming for me. It's not one of my favorite things to do. It's no secret. I'd rather be on a horse. I'd rather be out punching cows, looking at grass, fixing fence. That's what I would rather be doing. But I know that I'm in this place right now. I know I trust in God. I trust that He is... He has provided this path for me that it is part of my will, but that doesn't mean I like it. And so this week I was down, I was down at Jakeway, I was hooked onto our strip tiller, I got, I got this thing sunk in the ground and it has this, these shanks that, that, that go on the ground, rip the ground, and then it kind of packs the soil back together with these rolling baskets and all this stuff, right? And, and it's there, it's, it's <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so uh, this thing is meant to, to prepare the seed bed, right? And, and so when we plant that seed, when I come through there in, in a week, in two, three weeks with a planter, and we put that seed in the ground, it's got everything that it needs to grow and be a plant, be a corn, be a corn plant, and grow lots of corn. And then behind that, we hook on an anhydrous tank, so we fertilize it so that when we strip till, it has all the fertilizer it needs to get started and make like 500 bushel corn because I'm going for farmer of the year. That's, that's the whole idea. All right, so I'm down there and I am farming and, and I'm doing it. I, I, I got a good attitude. I don't like it, but I got a good attitude. All right, we're doing this. We're farming. And I got her in the ground and we're going and and uh, get done with one tank of fertilizer. And I go and I hook on another tank and I swing in there and I'm farming along and then it happens. All of a sudden, the cab corner over here where all the gauges and all the bells and whistles are, that thing lights up like a Christmas tree. And bells and whistles are going off, and there's a stop sign that's flashing at me saying stop, and this little diamond with an exclamation point in it, flashing and it's beeping. And I'm like, this is not good. It says SCR fault. I don't even know what SCR, I don't even know how to spell SCR. <laughs> SCR fault. So I stopped the tractor. I reached behind me out of, the, out of the seat back in the pocket there and I flip open the big humongous owner's manual thicker than this Bible and this newfangled tractor and I go to SCR Fault, figure out how I need to troubleshoot this and it says, call dealership. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine this snowstorm is coming, right? I want to get all this done. I want to get this farming done before the snow gets here because the snow's going to land on it, this rain, whatever it was, I didn't know at that point. It's going to land on it. It's going to make it even better. I want to get it done. And past that, I don't know what the weather's going to be like afterwards. It might be too wet to farm, and I need to get to make sure it's done and ready so that I can plant. And my tractor's broke down. I hate driving that thing anyway. So I called the dealership and said, hey, told them what was going on. And they said, oh, yeah, okay, well, we're going to have to have to send a technician out with his computer and put on it. I'm like, let's do this thing. Let's get it going. So we'll send a guy out in the morning. Yeah. And I'm not happy. 
And I said, well, I, yeah, I know they have different, they have more clients, they have more people that are needing their, needing their services. I said, that's fine, just get after when you can. So I hang up, and again, I'm not happy. And, uh, and I put that thing in gear, and I go to let the clutch out, and that tractor dies, dead in the water. What is going on? So I reach down and I turn, turn the key over to fire it back up again, and if any of you are mechanically minded at all, it does not even send any juice to the starter. It doesn't even grunt. It just, it doesn't even click. It doesn't even nothing. And so, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but there's like people that see their three-year-olds throw a fit. <laughs> that was kind of me at that point. And so, and the thing was, that I, I was angry. I was mad. I was not happy with this season in my life. I would rather be looking at the cows in your cabin and doing the things that, that I like to do. And uh, so Andrew comes and picks me up, and sadly, because my mood was so so sour, that it affected the mood of my wife. It affected the mood of my kids when I got home, and I just let it completely ruin my day. And I'm thinking about God's will, just like we were kind of talking about earlier. Somebody, there's a lot of people saying, "Well, if it's something you enjoy, then that's God's will for your life." Well, then, then if this is something that I don't really enjoy, then then how is that to be God's will for my life? I'm trusting Him that that is where I'm supposed to be right now, but, but I don't understand it. And so as I look at that verse at 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 16, it says, Be joyful always, but you can guess right now that there wasn't a lot of joy coming out of this old girl. It says to pray continually. And I was, I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't want to. I, I was afraid the strong words were going to come out of my mouth at that point. I didn't want to blaspheme God or do anything like that. I couldn't even pray at that point. It also says to give thanks in all circumstances. And I guarantee you there's nothing in my heart that wanted to give thanks at that point right then. But it says that that's God's will for me in Christ Jesus. And I, I know that that's what it is. I know that that's His will, but I, I wasn't there right then. So the next morning, the dealership came out. They hooked their computer onto it. They cleared codes. Texted me at 9 o'clock in the morning and said, your tractor's ready to go. And I should have been like, hallelujah. But I was like, okay, I'll go farm, right? But this storm's still coming. If I put in a long day, if I get this thing going, I put in a long day, I'm going to get all this farming done, and, and, and it's going to be good. So I got back and farmed all day long. And because of technology and because of this newfangled tractor that we get, well, it's a six or eight years old at this point, but it has auto steer on it. And so I took this book along. And I've been so curious about God's will and His will for my life that I dove into this thing to figure out what God's will, what, what did that mean for me? And I was able to do that. So it, it reminded me of, of an account back in the Old Testament. And, and I dove into it, and this account was one of the prophets about 600 years before Jesus Christ was walking around this earth. And it was a point where God's chosen people, the Israelites, they were sinful, they were going against God, going against His commandments. And God decided it was time to clean house, clean some things up. And so He told the Israelites, He said, you will be exiled to this place that is your enemy. You're not going to like these people. But you're going to go to Babylon. You're going to go from Jerusalem. I'm going to exile you into Babylon. You're going to be there for 70 years. And this is written down in the book of Jeremiah. And, and, uh, and so a lot of this came through the prophet of Jeremiah. There was also another prophet at that time. And, uh, and his name was Hananiah. 
and, it, and it's, I think it's, it's worthy to look at what, what he says, but basically, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but he basically told the Israelites that had gotten exiled out of Jerusalem and they're under Babylon, uh, in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, no, you're not going to be here for seven years. You're only going to be here for two years. And Jeremiah was standing there listening to him. He was like, well, if that's what God said, that's what God said. And Jeremiah walks away and the Lord, the Lord of the Lord came to him. He said, no, Hananiah's wrong. I told him it was going to be seven years. Hananiah's saying, two years, he's wrong, he's going to die. Two months later, Hananiah dies and the Lord of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And so you can imagine these Israelites that they are in Babylon now. They've been exiled. They, they're not comfortable. They're not where they want to be. That's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear, two years, we're out of here. We'll do our little stand here, and we're going to be gone. We're going to go back home. We're going to do our thing. We're going to live our lives. We're going to do what we want to do. But that, that's what they wanted to hear, but that wasn't how it worked out. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, if you have your Bibles, you can sure follow along if you'd like to. But there was a letter that was written to the Israelites it was a letter from God, but it was penned by Jeremiah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And, and he was writing this letter to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all other people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem. So this was a letter that went out to all those people. And it says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5 says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. So God is at this point, He's like, you, you're in a spot right now that you don't want to be. And, and Hannah and I was wrong. You will be there for 70 years. So you just want to get comfortable in it. You just as well settle down just a little bit. Go ahead and build some houses. Go ahead and plant gardens. Go ahead and eat out of the gardens that you plant. Have sons and daughters. And when they grow up, give them in marriage. Find wives for your sons. You're going to be there. You just as well enjoy it. It says also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to, it for, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. These people don't want to be there. And I'm guessing the last thing that they really want to hear is that they're supposed to pray to God for this city, that they are exiled in this, this enemy that they have, that they're living under this, this King, Babylon, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, and God is telling them, pray for the city that you're in right now. Because if they have peace and, peace and prosperity, you too will have peace and prosperity. If you're going to be there for seven years, you just want to pray for it. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. It says, Do not let the prophets and dementors among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And that we, we know that that just happened because Hananiah just died. He was a false prophet. So God's saying, Listen to the ones that I've sent. This is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Again, he's telling them it's going to be 70 years. He told them once, he's telling them again, it's going to be 70 years. And it goes on to say, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. 
This passage right here, verse 11, is the one that, that I went to digest and dive into. And when I looked at that, I thought I need to figure out what the context is, so I started to research and I started looking back in the, in the pages to see what, see what he was talking about. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. He's telling the Israelites that at this point, those from Jerusalem, I have a plan for you. And we pluck this verse, don't we? We pluck this verse out of Scripture. It's on greeting cards. Yep. It's any time that we go through hard stuff in our life, we're wondering what, what, what is the plan, God? What, what is going on? We are quick to jump to that verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. But we stop reading right there. We stop reading right there. Because, and I think about this, when, when we look at that verse in and of itself, and, and we think, we're, 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 we put this idea on that it's all about us. Because God is telling us what He's going to do for us, right? He's saying, I will prosper you. I have plans for you. I have plans to give you a hope and give you a future. It's like, well, all right, God, come on, bring it on. It's easy to get stuck in that right there. But the next verse says, Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We leave that part out. We leave that part out about what God wants us to do. I struggled with this verse. We were coming home on Friday from, from my brothers, and it was after the snow, after we got done farming all that stuff. We went to see my brother and come back home. And, and Andrea was driving, and I was sitting in the passenger seat because I was preparing what my... What, God, what do you want me to what do you want me to talk about on Sunday? And I came to this and I asked Andrew, I said, why at the beginning of verse 12 is there the word then? Why is there the word then? Because when I read this, maybe I'm the only Christian in the world that's ever read it this way, but, but God tells us about all of his plans and everything that he's going to do for us, and then he says, Then you will come and pray to me. Why? In everywhere else in the Bible that I've ever read or ever thought about, we're to pray to God. And then He will be there. And he will, he will rescue us. He will do all the things that He promises to do. We have to find Him, right? We have to. So why does it say, then you will call upon me? And I got stuck there. And I just kept going back. And Andrew and I were discussing it. Finally, I just I flipped open my phone. I thought, this is crazy. But I flipped open my phone and I looked up the word then. And in the Oxford Dictionary, if you have your pen, if you're, if you're wanting to write in your Bible, I, I would encourage you to circle the word then. Make a little arrow over in the, in the, in the margin there. And write, at that time. That was the first definition that came up for the word then. At that time. The second definition was after something. So if something happened, then something else happens. That's not how this is to read. Then is at that time. At that time you will call upon me and come pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is telling them, at the time, in those seven years, while you're in exile, pray to me. Pray to me right then. I wish, I almost wish verse 12 was before verse 11. So that it told us what we needed to do first before, before God would grant us all the things that He's wanted to grant us. And the way that I can prove that, because I quit reading also, because it says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So they must still be in captivity when He's telling them to come and pray for them. Man. But it says... You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
we think about this verse, we think about the plan and the will that God has for our lives. And it sure does, it, is, it sure is comforting. It sure is comforting to think about that. Flip back over to uh, back over to the New Testament, Colossians chapter chapter three, verse one and two. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now I'm convinced, after my research and after my diving into it, and after after uh, after my time in the tractor and in the pickup and and just praying to God, there are two steps. There are two steps to finding the will of God. And back there it says, you'll, you'll, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The first step that we have to do to find the will of God is to go find God. Is to go find God. And the, and the way that we do that, John 14, 6, he's, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to get to God, there's one way to do that. And that's to go through Jesus Christ. And that is to accept what He's done for us on the cross that He came. God came down here to this world and He walked among us in the flesh. And God gave His only Son because He, he loved the world so much that He wanted to save it. And it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, that means... Uh, that means that Christ must have been raised as well, right? He came down here and died and hung on a cross three days later. He was raised. He was resurrected. And if we were raised with Christ, that also means we must have died to our sin. To be raised with Christ. And the way to do that, you just you got to believe in Jesus Christ. Confessing with your heart. Confessing with your tongue. Believing with your heart. If you haven't, if you haven't taken the chance to do that, today's the day to do that. Come to God. Come to God through Jesus Christ. When you've been raised with Christ, then you can set your heart on things above. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Step number one is we have to come to God. We have to figure out how to get to God. That's through Jesus Christ. The second step is we have to change our perception. We have to change our perspective on this whole thing. When I think about when I think about uh, when I think about the things that I like to do, when I think about the things that I want to do in this life, those things are all worldly. When I think about farming, when I think about riding a horse, the things that I like to do, those are all worldly things. But if you can look at it, if you can look at the whole idea from God's perspective instead of worrying about our own perspective, the whole thing changes. The whole thing changes. I, I often think about, Andrew's brought this up a time or two, those Israelites back in those days, they were going to be stuck in Babylon for 70 years. And you can't tell me that all the, all the Israelites who were going to be stuck in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar were 5 to 10 years old and they were going to see the end of 70 years. There was people my age. There was people some of y'all's age. They were going to be stuck there and some of them weren't even going to be able to see the end of 70 years. They weren't even going to be alive at the end of 70 years to go back and see the promise that God had promised them that I'm going to take you back to Jerusalem. They weren't even going to be alive. 
It makes me think about what we do right now. And sometimes I think the will of God, yeah, it has something to do with you. I'm not saying it doesn't, but what if it has more to do with our kids? And our kids' as kids. And our kids' as kids' as kids. Because of what you're doing right now, because of what God would have you do right now, is going to affect the generations to come. Just like, just like our descendants back in the day, they've done things to get us to where we're at right now. What if the will of God isn't all about you? That's tough to swallow. What if the will of God isn't all about you? We have to change our perspective. Uh, I'm convinced that the will of God, what we what we are to do on earth, is important to God. I'm not saying that it's not. I think it's very important to Him. I think uh, when we read verses uh, like in Proverbs, um, it'd be Proverbs 16, uh, verse 9, it says, In a heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I'm convinced that we are here and we, we've determined our course and, and God is, is placing, He's doing things, He's working in our lives all the time. I'm convinced of that. I know that He is. But there is nothing, if you want to go look through the Bible and, and try to figure out what is Harvey Allen's, what is God's will for Harvey Allen? You going to find that? No, there's nothing specific saying that you will do this or you will do that. Although, it does say in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not man. And I think about my life right now, and I've got an amazing mother-in-law, and she's also my boss, and I go and I work for her. And I don't know if she wants to hear this or not, but I don't want to work for her anymore. If I can work for the Lord instead of her, that's what God wants me to do. And if I think about it from that perspective, instead of my own personal fleshly perspective of what I want to do and what I want to get done with my life, then maybe, maybe that's what God wants me to do. It's a change of your mind. It's, it's a change of your heart. It's a change of your mind. John 6, 29 uh, does give us a specific thing that God does want us to do. This is what I love. He does want us to do work, and He wants us to do a specific work. But Jesus answered, the work of God is this. You ready? The work of God is this. For your, your will for this, for this time that you have on life, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. You know what, though? It's work. It does take work. It's not easy. It's not something that we can just... Uh, that just comes necessarily natural. We have to work at it. You've got to pick up your Bible every morning. You've got to pray to Him every morning. And I'll tell you what, you go right back to that First Thessalonians. You'd be joyful always. Is that easy? That ain't easy. Pray continually. I struggle with that. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite the music team back up here. I don't go as long as Corey does. <laughs> all, of the, all of the struggle that I have there in the field, I'm just so thankful that God led me to, to these verses and this scripture when we dive into it and all the things that I worried about and all, the, all of my own struggles. And I just think about God, and, and when we do change our perspective and think about things, 
in, in some way, if we can try to think about things the way that he would have us think about them. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. And, and he's, he's, he's got it. And his will for you comes pretty darn clear. And I think that if you do those things, if you take those two steps and you go to God and you have Jesus in your heart, share with him step number one, step number two is to change your perspective. I got a pretty good idea that what you're doing and where you're at right now in this life is exactly where God would have you be. Exactly what God would have you be doing. And if it's not, you're going to know it. If it's not, you're going to know it. And that's part of coming to him. If anybody uh, needs prayer, I'd invite you to come forward. I'm going to just chill out up here. I'm not going to sing up here with these guys this time. But, but if something's on your heart and you, you'd like some prayer, I can even get an elder or two to come up to you. Um, but just figure out that God's will is not, it's not earthly. It's something, that, it's something a lot bigger than that. Start by coming to Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, please thank you so much for this day and this morning as we think about your will and your, your plan that you have promised us, Lord. Let us change our hearts so that it's not something that we worry about here on this earth, Lord. We know that you have everything under control, God, and, uh, and, and you do have a plan, Lord. We need to come to you. We need to seek you. We need to find you. We need to, we need to search through your word. And we need to dig and we need to pry so that we can that we can come and figure it out. Lord, that we can test and approve what your perfect will is. God, because you've given us that ability to do that. God, this morning I just I just pray for everyone's heart. And if they haven't, if they haven't came to you, if they haven't found that way, that one way to come to you through Jesus Christ, I just pray that their hearts open and, and, it, and that the Spirit will just land on them. And open them up and open their eyes to see that what you have is so much bigger than what we can imagine, what we can fathom right here. God, that your ways are so much higher than ours. Your thoughts are much higher than ours. And God, even though that's tough for us to understand, help us to get a glimpse of it so that we know. God, I just thank you for sending your own son. That he would come down here teach us, give us words, give us wisdom, God, that, that he, he lived a sinless life and that He was hung on that cross as a sacrifice for us. And God, because of Him, we can come, come to You. And, and when we come to You, we are raised with Him. We can die to our sin, Lord. And we can live a life that's holy and blameless and we can be joyful and we can be prayerful and we can be always in thanksgiving and we can be living out your will, your perfect and pleasing will, God. God, we just ask you to direct our steps here on this earth. Help us to stay on the narrow trail that leads to you. And God, we, we look forward to your promise that Jesus is coming back one of these days and he's going to gather us all up and we're going to be with you in eternity. Thank you.
God, we don't know when that's coming. And because of that, I just pray that everyone, if they, if they haven't taken the chance just to do it right now, do it right now, Lord, and invite you into their hearts. God, as we, as we listen to these songs and we stand and sing, Lord, just let us sing it from our hearts. Up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.